to introduce you to one of the greatest pastors in all the world, Pastor Philippi Herrera Miller from Belize. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much, Coastline Church, for having us here from Belize. And I just want to say thanks to Pastor Jason, thanks to Pastor Steve and Pastor Nathan for having us here and welcoming with such warm welcome. When we came in, I saw the, the, um, on the video there, the phrase, love matters. And truly, love is what have us here today because love truly matters. The, throughout the word of God, the Bible says um, in Matthew chapter 28, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the last phrase that Jesus, or the command that Jesus gave us at the end of all the Gospels is to go into the world, preach the good news, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But the, the reason why we have such great command is because, first of all, Jesus came and gave his life for all of us so that we could be disciples of him. Because the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So friends, family of this church, the reason why we are here is because of God first giving and you all giving as well. Some people cannot go, you give. Some people give and go. But we want to praise God for you all. Thank God for Pastor Nathan and Miss Barbara who have invested and served in Belize. And now they are here with you all, but we still make that connection. Praise God. This is Missions Sunday, if you haven't caught on uh, as of yet. Amen? Yeah. Give yourself a hand. Y'all are the ones that's making this happen, okay? You're the ones that's made this possible. And I want to uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for Pastor Philippi and for all the kids. I tell you, I thought I was in heaven last night when they all got, we got to the house about 11 o'clock or 1130 last night. These kids have been doing this stuff for three weeks, okay? They've been traveling to different villages for the last three weeks, sleeping on the floors and hard wooden pews, doing uh, vacation Bible schools. And so they're going to finish up this week here with us. We're gonna be, I'm going to be working them all week long, different places each week. So, uh, I mean, each day. So uh, we're going to wear them out and then send them home, amen? <laughs> but, uh, wow, that's, that's about as close to heaven as it gets for me. I love these kids. These are the ones that we have been uh, working with for years and years now. So, again, thank you. All right, I got a, I got a, a, a message that I want to tell you today. It's really an encouragement and a, kind of a challenge, but it's also a mission sermon. So, uh, you know, I had uh, Pastor uh, Steve, I think, asked me, he said, well, Nathan, are you going to do, be doing points? And I thought, well, I guess, you know, if I don't do points, it would be pointless to talk, right? So, uh I thought I'd throw me a few points in there. Not as many as Jason. But uh, I thought I'd throw me a few points in there and uh, see if I can't uh, keep control of this thing that way. The name of my sermon is this, Never Stop Belizing. Come on. Never Stop Belizing. All right? All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And I hated to give Pastor Philip a mic because I knew she was going to preach my doggone sermon before I ever got the mic. So, uh, of course, she did. This is what it said. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And it was like, y'all know the answer, right? Immediately. Immediately, they left everything. They left their nets. And they followed him. And this is, for the life of me, I can't wrap my brain around this, you know. I read that a thousand times. I'm like, how does that happen? 
I mean, come on. Really? No interviewing boards with, and, and, and cold rooms with long tables and grumpy old men sitting behind them wanting to know what's up with you. Why, what makes you think that you can go off to the foreign land and preach the Word of God, right? Or how about not even a consultation with your friends and family? You know, what are you doing, man? Come on. You know, you're going to miss everything. Our, our Wednesday night, you know, card games and stuff, you know. What, why do you want to run off for and, and go someplace else? Or not even my favorite answer. My favorite one is this. Let me pray about it, brother. You know, when you, somebody asks you in the church to do something, let me pray about it, and I will see, Jesus, if it's my will, I mean, if it's your will for me to do your will or something like that. It gets confusing. I never could understand. Well, you're going to pray to see if it's God's will for you to do God's work? Okay. Whatever. No. They're not talking about, hey, follow me down here to the restaurant, to Doubles or someplace, and I'm going to feed you the best burger you've ever had. Not even that. It's like pack your suitcase, load the camels. We're heading off into parts unknown to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. What would it take for Jesus to come in here today? And say, hey, I want you to follow me. Let's just go. Let's just pack it up right now. Let's load it up. We're going to load the airplane, and we're going to head off. Are you with me? Are you in? Could you do that without hypnotism or something like that? So why do we put so much emphasis on missions anyway? I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people, and they say, you know, oh, you're a missionary? Yeah, okay, whatever. You know what? I refuse to board an airplane to fly over my community, to land in another community just to tell somebody about Jesus. I refuse to do it. And I say, hey, that's okay, that's cool. you got the right to think whatever you want to think, even if it's wrong. <laughs> Jesus never said anything about us, us four no more, did he? This is what missionaries hang their hats on. This is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Pastor Philippi just got through telling it to you, but I'm going to tell it to you again. You know, sometimes in the Bible it says, like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, so sometimes it's good to hear it twice. It says, therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, that's why those chickens are scared to get on those airplanes. They think God ain't with them if they're up there. They say, lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of of the age. Amen. Amen? Y'all with me? I love the Isaiah quote. You know, Isaiah 6, 1 through 8, I'm not going to read the whole entire thing. Uh, but when I read the Bible, I read it as if God wrote it for me. I, you know, I'm just silly that way. I don't look at it like a, some old ancient history book that was just for somebody else. I read it as if, I, and I believe that. I believe it was for me. I believe it was, I'm sorry about y'all, but God wrote that for me, okay? And I take it to heart. And when I read stuff like seraphims, when, when Isaiah is seeing seraphims flapping their wings, they're in the, in the mighties of all mighties of all mighties, in the presence of Almighty God. And they're singing, and they're shouting, and, and they're you know, he's touched his mouth, you know, with these coals, and, and all of these things is happening. And Isaiah understands how unkept he is. But God asked him at the end, he said, I need somebody to go and tell somebody something. Who will go with me? Who will go for me? 
And as, I mean, I get chill bumps when I think about it. I can see Isaiah saying, oh, Lord, pick me. I'll, I'll go, Lord. I don't care if anybody else will go. I will go. Pick me. Let me go and tell and spread your word. Amen? So what is it that we have to do to keep the main thing the main thing? In the, in the Great Commission, it said, keep these commandments. So what are the commandments? The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they all was hammering Jesus. Come on, Jesus, tell us, what are these great commandments? That, is it the Ten Commandments? He said, no, let me break it down for you. I'll make it real easy for you. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he tells them this. This is all you have to do. Come on. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. And you know, when I read this, if I can stop right there, I want to pull a Stevie Wonder on it. Mm, mm, mm. You and me, Lord, you're loving me. I'm loving you. We're a great, big, happy family, and things are great. This is, this is easy stuff. You've saved me. You've cleansed me. And then he throws this verse 31 in there, and it just messes everything up. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm like, oh, Lord. You don't know my neighbor. My neighbor don't even speak good English. You ought to hear them trying to communicate to me. And when they cook out, it don't smell nothing like my Memphis barbecue. That stuff stinks that they be cooking over there. How do you love your neighbor? I'm like, I'm, I'm like wanting to say, make a deal with God. Hey, God, I tell you what. If I don't have to love my neighbor as myself, I go to church every Sunday. How about that? And if that ain't enough, I'll sweeten the deal. I'll throw in a tithe every night again. Oh, yeah. That ought to do it. No, that ain't going to do it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, my goodness. That's the hard part. That's like hitting below the belt. Today I have a commandment or an announcement for you. There's nobody in the world that prays for you or wants you to be as successful, the most successful people in your communities other than missionaries. Did you know that? We pray hard for you. We want you to be very successful at what you do. And we pray that you have a heart that seeks to save the lost because missionaries understands this. Charity or generosity cannot be commanded of you. It's a heart condition. It's all about the heart. Look at this, look at this scripture in Luke chapter 8, 1 through 3. I want to read you something here. Now, it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, uh, uh, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, his wife, the wife of uh, Chusa, I guess that's how you say that, Herod Stewart and Susanna and and many others who provided for him through their substance. Who was providing for Jesus through their substance? It was the wives of these people. I mean, how many men in here pull their britches up and talk about how, you know, good they are at their work and how successful they've been and all that? I, I was one of them until I found out my wife was giving half the money I made away. And then I understood, I understood where the blessings were coming from. But I got on board with it. I got on board with it, church. I understood where blessings really come from. I want to start off with my first point of today. And this is the, and this is the deal. If you ever 
if you ever decide to commit to serve in the church or to serve overseas or to give in the church or to give wherever, your commitment to do this will be tested. Okay? It's going to be tested. If you see John Beliveau, Pastor John, he's got one of the greatest machines, working machines around here that I've ever seen in a church. We got a big church. We got a lot of people. And it takes a lot to keep these wheels rolling, okay? But he has the, one of the greatest volunteer forces I've ever seen. People are volunteering to, to, uh, to work at the church, but we still need more, okay? We still need more. But let me tell you something, what's going to happen the first time that you volunteer to do something. I'm sorry, but you're going to wake up with the uh, green apple quick steps or your kids are going to be throwing up. Something's going to happen because something's going to pull you from going and fulfilling that commitment that you've given to John. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's going to be. It happens not sometimes, every time. I want to tell you what, what happened with me one time. I remember when I first got into the church, I wasn't doing anything, okay? I was just being a nothing. And all of a sudden, when I heard a friend of mine that was talking. He said, hey, Nathan, uh, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to get my CDL license, man. I'm going to start driving a bus. I'm like, really? <laughs> what kind of bus? He said, this big school bus for Sharon Jackson. I said, what for? He said, man, they got all these kids that are, uh, she's wanting to bring into the church. So me and some other guys are going to drive the bus. So we, you know what? We need one other person. How would you like to go in with us? I'm like, dude, I can do that. I, I can drive a bus. I drove all kind of junk in the Army. I drive a school bus. I'm in. Count me in. So I go get my CDL license, get to drive the bus, and, you know, we're going to do so. So what happened was is one guy did it the first week, another guy did it the second week, and then my buddy that I was talking to, he was going to do it the third week, and he called me up. He said, Nathan, man, something come up, man. There's no way I can leave work. Will you mind driving a bus for me this week? I'm like, I'm there, man. Don't worry about it. I drive the bus for you. So I go pick the bus up. And I have the time of my life. I drive down the street, and there's kids with the biggest smiles you've ever seen in, in your life getting on this bus wanting to go to church because, you know, we're there to pick them up. And uh, I had the time of my life. And I would just like to say this. I accredited as, well, it was a self-accreditation. But I accredited myself with taking more people to church than anybody else. <laughs> I take 50, 50 kids to church every Wednesday night, right? So I did it the first night, and then the, the, next, the next Wednesday it came up. My, my buddy called me on the phone, and he said, Nathan, man, I, I can't drive the bus this week. I said, why not? You, you know, I, I drove for you. You're supposed to drive for me. He said, I can't, you, get, you got to do it one more time. Oh, man. What's up with that, you know? I got to think, I'm busy live too, you know? So I called Sharon. I said, Sharon, you know, this guy, he done fizzled out. He don't want to drive the bus and I said, could you get somebody else, one of the other guys? She said, ain't, ain't nobody else. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, she said, every one of them has already quit. I said, snap. <laughs> so who's going to be driving the bus every Wednesday night? She said, Nathan, it's going to be you. <laughs> Me? I'll volunteer to do this once a month. They say it's going to be easy, simple, once a month. So now I've got to make a commitment. Am I going to go drive the bus? And, of course, you know, I sit around like the Maytag repairman all day long. My business not doing nothing, not making no money. And about the time I'm going to sneak out there and go shut the doors real quick, here comes a funeral procession into the, into the play or a football game let out. And everybody comes to the muffler shop. 
And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, cha-ching, cha-ching. You know, that's my first thought. I'm staying here and make some money. And then it hit me. All those smiling faces on that road that's going to be frowns because the school bus ain't going to come pick them up. Where's the church bus? They'd be sitting out there and sitting and sitting, waiting on me. And I thought, bump this. I'm closing these doors. I'm leaving. And all of these guys, they had like one guy in the front going to speak for everybody else, giving me the tongue lashing of my life. Where are you going? You put those doors back up. I need a muffler on my car. I'm like, sir, I'm so sorry. Please come back tomorrow. I, 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 will, I will fix you up, but i got to leave today. I, I got something I've got to go. And he's like, well, forget you. I'm going to AAA muffler someplace. I'm like, no, 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 not Midas. They charge you too much. <laughs> Have y'all heard of Midas? That wasn't one of my shops. I was like, sir, please, I, I, you know, and I gave him a 25% off card. I said, come back tomorrow. I'll do this for all of y'all if y'all come back. And they said, we'll think about it. They all got in their car, and they drove off. And I was like, oh, man, I was feeling bad. But you know what? I, felt, I started feeling good when I got in that bus, and I started picking those kids up. I started feeling good in my heart again. But you know what? You're going to have to make a commitment. When you make a commitment, you're going to have to decide in your heart, what are you going to do? Are you going to fulfill that commitment? Are you going? Because I'm telling you, there, life is still going to happen, and you're going to have to prioritize what you're going to do. I heard somebody say one time that they they said, "Hey, can you do this for me?" They said, "I don't have time for it." And it's not. We got the same amount of time as everybody's got, but we got to prioritize our time. For what are we going to do in it? Are we going to do the work of God? Because I promise you, things are going to happen. Your kids are going to get sick. You know, something's going to happen to try to throw you off. So how did it all start for us? I was at the ripe young age of 40 when God called me into the mission field. And I would rather tell you about the little Martian that landed in my backyard and had a conversation with me as tell you how real of a, an experience that I had with God Almighty when he spoke to me and called me. But it was one of the easiest things I ever did was to sell out and go to Bible school. Bible school was not easy, okay? I knew from the very start I was going to have to take English. I never wanted to go to college because I knew I was going to have to take English. Now, this is how I sound after four years of education. <laughs> Before this, I would have had to have a, uh, an interpreter up here for y'all to understand me, okay? But I'm all educated and very affluent now in English. But I remember that what the teacher said the first day, first day, if you don't like the way we teach English here, you will the next time you take it. And she was right. It costs you more, though, when you have to take it twice. Just remember that. But after that, after four years of school, a year and a half of all these interviews and, uh, and applying to, you know, with all these old drab-faced men standing behind long desks and all this kind of stuff, you know, they finally said, okay, well, wait a minute. We've got to do psychological interviews with you because you've got to be crazy to want to do this anyway. Physical testing, similar to that of astronauts, to include probing. And then they finally give you the okay. Okay? Okay? <laughs> this means you get to start preaching in about 250, 300 churches all over the United States. I had a blast speaking in Pennsylvania. They didn't understand a word I said. They just said, give him some money and get him out of here. He don't belong up here. He's going to get shot if he stays up here too much longer. Easiest money I ever made. I'm just kidding if y'all from Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm a little kid in there. 
Big, long process. Folks, I didn't roll out of bed and start going on a mission field. It took me eight years. It took me eight years. But you know why I fought for eight years to get on a mission field? Because of one instant that I had with God Almighty. And it didn't matter if it took 80 years. I'd have never stopped because I knew in my heart that's what God had called me to do. And that's what makes the difference in your life. When you know that God has called you to do something, you're not going to fail him. You're not going to fail him. You won't quit him. So after all of that, we finally make it into Belize. Let me tell you about the most exciting place I've ever been to. It took me five minutes to put my pants on, wipe sleep out of my eyes, wipe my nose, and get to church this morning. It took me about five minutes. In Belize, you get in a four-wheel drive vehicle, and allow to take you to the middle of the jungles. You allow to get on a boat, take you 30 miles out into the ocean to preach at one of the islands, or get in one of these little puddle jumper airplanes that barely get off the ground and drive you, fly you out to parts unknown to, to someplace else. That's because we had about 65 churches, but they were scattered all over the country of Belize. Out of 65 churches, okay, there's only 300,000 people in the whole entire country of Belize. Out of 300,000, there's seven different languages spoken there. Now, y'all know, y'all know, y'all seen the movie, the, the calendar about the Mayans and the Mayans that used to live and they don't know what happened to them. I know what happened to them. They're in Belize. They're still there. They speak three different uh, dialects of Mayan. We have three churches there. So they're, they're still around. Some of my duties. Some of my duties were this. National kids leader. National youth leader for the English and Spanish. National pastor's kids uh, leader. Castile del Rey or uh, King's Castle. This was a, uh, what do they call it, a uh, spectacle ministry. I did that one. That was easy for me. Uh, I taught courses in the Bible school. I taught, uh, let me say this again. I taught courses in the Bible school. That was the response I was waiting for. Not just Bible classes, but youth and, and uh, children's ministry. At the time of my life, I took 30, I took 30 people in, in my class, and I, and I told them, at the end of the class, you have to do a kid's crusade, and I brought all my pick stock kids in there. And I told them, if nobody gets saved at the end, you all fail. So you better get somebody saved. But you know what they say? Uh, uh, when you get the, when you get the, you, when you've gone through something really bad in your life, and then you get to uh, teach Bible courses to somebody else, payback, you know, payback is a blessing, right? Isn't that what they say? We taught Royal Ranger classes. We preached in churches. We baptized in lakes. We had Bible studies in our house each and every week. My wife cooked more than Betty Crocker and Rachel Ray put together. Kids are great imitators, though, church. Did you know that? It's easy to, it's easy to find kids to, to minister to. You pull up to a park, set up a, some music, get out some balloons, throw some candy, and you got instant church. They're ready to imitate anything. But you know what? It's time we give them something great to imitate. That's what we need to do. Okay? Amen? Y'all with me? And almost from the first, when we got there, we started, we got to talking about, somebody said, hey, you want to go work with kids? I said, absolutely. They said, you need to go work with the pick stock kids. I said, that's fine. Where's that at? They said, that's in the jungle. I'm like, that's cool. That's great. I did nine years in the Army. Three of them, I lived in the, in the, uh, in the uh, jungles of, of Panama. I loved it. I went through JOTC. I got expert trained in the jungle. They said, wait a minute, General Jim, put your machete away. We're not talking about the real jungle. We're talking about the inner city of Belize. I thought for a minute, I thought, hmm, I'm from Memphis. I can do that, too. 
So from the first time that we went in there, and I heard Pastor Philippi pray over these kids, my wife and I both said, as long as we got life in our, in our lungs, we'll be here every Sunday ministering with these kids. They were some of the greatest kids that we've, that we've ever loved with all of our hearts. Amen? Uh, we knew, we knew the, the most important thing for what we wanted to do was not just catch fish, but show them how to fish. Okay? It's like Jesus said, Peter, I'll put you on some fish if you want fish. I know guys that put do trot lines and fish for bass back home. They wouldn't tell their mamas where fish was, where they were fishing. They're not giving up their honey hole. <clears throat> Jesus said, I'll put you on a honey hole. I'll show you how to fish and show you how to catch fish, show you where they are. But church, all we have to do is participate. We have to go out there and do it. Pastor Jason knew this. He come down from the very moment that I made it in the Belize. He was one of the he was the first person that came to visit us and started doing uh, youth pastors conference. Starting trying to get these these young people excited about ministering to their own people. Oh, everybody wanted me to come to their church and minister, but I said I, I can't do I can't do it for everybody. You got to learn how to do it for yourself. I will train you and resource you. Okay. But you got to do it yourself. You got to take responsibility and commit to do it yourself. And that's what we need to do today. We need to take responsibility and commit to 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 do it today. Amen. Y'all with me today? <clears throat> I tell you, I took a group real quick uh, a, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. We went down and did uh, ministries all over Belize. I want to tell you this about this one little girl. We uh, we gave away bicycles everywhere we went, and at the end of it, we was loading up, and this lady said. Oh, brother Nathan, brother Nathan, come here. And she was just standing there, and she was just, she had her head to the sky, bawling her eyes out. I'm like, what's the matter? What's the matter? You want me to pray for you? She said, no, you don't understand what you did. You don't understand what you gave to this girl out there. I raised this girl, her and her sister. Her parents died when they were two years old, and I've been raising them ever since. There's somebody out there in the jungle. And she said, this, my, this young lady, there's no way I don't have the money to get her a bicycle or anything. This young lady walks a mile and a half to school, a mile and a half home at lunch at 12, a mile and a half back to school at 1, and a mile and a half back at the end of the day. And she said, now her and her sister will be able to ride this bicycle. And she said, I have been praying forever and ever for anything for, for this girl to have. This transportation, this is like a car to them. Amen? Y'all gave money. Thank you. Thank you. You gave in order for us to be able to buy these bicycles and all the other stuff. I mean, we had, like I said in the film, uh, medical procedures even. Amen? Number two, your commitment to love will be tested. My commitment was never tested more than uh, after we'd been there just a few months and my wife saw a little kid about to get beat up by another boy and she jumps over and starts trying to cover him up and the little boy just beats the fire out of my wife. I wasn't there. Then I came up and just a little bit later, and it was like, you know, gloomy. You know, like, what's going on? And, and my wife just looked at me, and she said, Nathan, she said, I, we're, you're in a test. We're going, we're going through a test right now. I'm like, no, we're not. Everything's cool. What's, what's the matter? And she said, Nathan, I'm telling you, you're going through a test, and I don't want you to fail it because I don't have to go through the test again. And I'm like, what's going on? What are you talking about? Because she knows I failed. I'm good at failing tests. <laughs> I said, what's the matter, baby? And she showed me her arms, and she was just beat black and blue up and down both sides. And I was like, okay, who did it? That's it. That's a, it's on like Donkey Kong, okay? <laughs> who did it? I'm a, I'm a good young southern man that takes great pride in, in honor, my, my wife's honor. 
And she said, you ain't going to fail this test because I don't want to go through it again. Do you understand me? And she put that little finger in my face. My wife's five foot nothing and all Jack Russell. And she doesn't mind taking on anything. She'll take on any bulldog out there. I say, yeah, you take them on, but you get whooped every now and again, don't you? But it hurt me to my soul, church, to see my wife hurt like that. But I, I had to go out and talk to this young man, and we walked back into church hand in hand. And you know what? Those people looked at me like, who are these white people? They ain't even going to whoop this boy, and he just beat that man's wife. And it was a hard test. But you know what? We became heroes to them that day. That was the day we won their heart. That was the day we won their love because they knew that we wasn't there just for our own little whatever, you know, glorification things. And, and number three, I'm going to end with this. Your trust in God will be tested. I know, I know, I know if you ever decide, if you're not given to God right now and you decide to, let me tell you what's going to happen next week. Washing machine's going to go out. Go on and start looking for a, a new one. That's a good thing. You get a new washing machine next week. Because it's going to happen. The tire on the car is going to fall off. This fall off going right down the road. I don't know why. It's going to jump right off the car. And it's all because you decided to start giving to something greater than yourself. Because let me ask you this. This is what this... This is what has aided my life ever since I've been a Christian. I've always, because people used to tell me, oh, Nathan, you've given up so much. All your monthly jobs and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, don't cry for me. I didn't give up nothing. I moved up. You think a muffler's more important than the soul of a human being? Come on. What if God places the same value on our life as you place on your neighbor's life? You know, the one that doesn't talk English good or cook smelly food. What happens then? That's what I fear. I want to put great I want to put great wealth, the value on another man's soul just like I do my own. Because you know what? Their souls work just as much as my soul. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. I learned a great lesson with a little young girl one day. She was sitting in the corner and I gave her some candy. I said, Pastor, I had ten pounds of candy. Okay, everybody in the church is going to get candy. I give it to her, and uh, I said, you got to pass it. I ain't going to call her name, but because uh, all those other girls will find out that tell. But uh, I said, you got to pass the candy. And she, she was holding that candy like this. She had gold. I said, hon, you got to pass it, or nobody else is going to get candy in the church. And she started bowing up, crying. I'm like, oh, my Lord, Lord. Oh, okay, I'll pass you up, and I'm going to give it to somebody else. And it was like the Spirit of God stopped me right then. He said, she needs to understand that she can trust you and that she can trust me. And I said, Lord, she's eight years old. Why she got to learn today with me? She crying. And I said, girl, I said, I love you, and I promise you I'll give you some more candy if you'll just pass it. And after about five minutes crying, she slams that candy in the girl's lap next to her and bows up. And I say, now looky here. And I give her a great big handful. And she gets happy again. I said, but you got to pass it. She bows up again on me. But it doesn't take as long this time for her to pass it. She finally passed it to her. And finally, I give her some more. She passes it. I give her some more. I mean, we're having fun now, church. 
Everybody in the church got candy that day. And it was all because she thought it was all because of what she gave to them. And I thought, no, no, girl. It's because of what I gave to you. And God said, no, no, boy. It's because of what I gave to you. And I had been under great conviction because of how much money I had been spending just on food and stuff like that for kids. And I was like, man, I wasted my money. Who gets saved off a plate of food, you know? And I got great conviction. I was telling one of my friends, he said, Nathan, I'm sending you $2,500, and I don't want to ever hear this junk out of your mouth again. I'm like, what? He said, you feed those kids. You feed them when they come to your house. You fill their bellies, and then you give them the love of God. And he said, and when that runs out, you call me up again, and I'll send you some more. And it was a great conviction because, you see, I thought it was like, you know, I heard in, uh, when I was in basic training, the drill sergeant used to say, you're moving like pond water, and pond water doesn't move. It just sits there and stagnates. It stinks. And church, we ain't called to stink. We're not called to stagnate. We're called to be a river of life and a river of blessing. And when God blesses you in one hand, pass a little to somebody else. It's not going to kill you. I promise you, if that girl hadn't have gave that candy up, I would have said, okay, forget it. You ain't getting no more. I give candy to everybody the rest of the time I'm here, but you ain't going to get another piece. And that's what God would have said to me. That's what God would have said to me. Okay, Nathan, you want to be stingy? You don't want to be a blessing? You want me to come down and pick somebody else to do it? I will. But you can forget about getting anything else from me. That's how I feel. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I know I taught, I learned a great lesson, and that young lady learned a great lesson that morning. Something even the rich young ruler didn't learn in his life. He went away very sad in the same proportion that he was rich. He went away sad. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a minute. I just want to end with this. I was, I was, I was uh, looking at something this week, and I heard a guy talking about sitting in the dark place and cursing the darkness. And let me tell you something, church. The closer you get around people, Christians, and things like that, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, I'm going to tell you, I know there's a darkness in you because I was there. I had the greatest gloomiest life imaginable and I thought oh my goodness how can I ever break out of this darkness and you know what you have to do to, all you have to do to, to make darkness flee from your life is light one little candle You, I promise you try it go in a room and light a candle in a pitch black dark room and you know what happens darkness has to flee it has to flee the light will attack it Allow light today to come into your life and allow that darkness to flee from your life. That's what Jesus Christ wants to do with you today. And, and then, and then experience all the greatness and wonders. A guy told me when I got saved, I was at the altar. He said, Nathan, you're saved. You're born again, man. You can rock in a rocking chair the rest of your life, and you're going to heaven. I said, I don't want to rock in a rocking chair. I want a slingshot. I want to take on giants. I want to do something, man. I don't want to sit on the bench. I didn't join the team to sit on the bench and do nothing. That's what God is challenging us to do today. There's things in this life. There's things right here in this community, in this church, as, a, as, as much as around the world for us to do. Can we take that challenge today? 
Will we rise to that challenge? But first, will you arise and allow God to come into your life and to, and to make that darkness flee? All it takes is one candle. Is there somebody here that would say, you know what? I need a candle in my life today. I've got some dark, gloomy stuff going on in my life, and I need the love of God to come into my life and flood me so much that darkness has to flee. Is there anybody? Thank you. Thank you so much for your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? There's hands going up across the room. Anybody else? You're living in a dark spot right now. One flicker of light of a candle will change your entire life. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hand. Yes, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let me tell you something. Even if you didn't raise your hand, maybe you're jumping up and down inside your soul right now, and you don't want to raise your hand. It's okay. God sees you jumping up and down. He knows the darkness that you might be living in. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for that you have brought light into the world. You brought light into our lives, Lord God. Such a bright, shiny, beautiful light that darkness has to flee. And, Lord God, we cast this darkness into the pits of hell. Lord God, we thank you for your son that has forgiven us of our sins. We thank you for the excitement and the adventure of living for you, Lord God. And, Lord God, as these men and women have committed to serve you, Lord God, I I ask you, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you would give them the boldness, Lord God, the boldness and, and the commitment to continue to serve you all the days of their life. I pray blessings upon them right now. Give them a fantastic week. Keep the devil's hands off of them this week, Lord God. Just let them experience your love today, Lord God. And we love you and praise you. In Christ's name, amen.